0: Ooh, what's up, internet? My name's Nerdy. And I'm Rouge. And this is a very special edition of the Nerdy. The Wordy. The Book Club. <laughs> That's right. Usually we sit at our desk in our house, just the two of us, talking about a book we've read. Just uh,
1: verbal vomit coming out. That's great. And you guys watch Wow,
0: it. you really went for that word to start. <laughs> uh, traditional Nerdy Nightly intro. This is a mess already. Yeah. But uh, today we have a very special guest. Uh <laughs> Are you good? Yep, this is (laughs) the author of the series we're currently covering. Uh, If you've been following the book the last few weeks, this is the author of Inheritance, The Cycle, The Series, The Whole Dang Thing, Uh, Aragon, Eldest, Brissinger, Inheritance, and of course the brand new book which just came out on Tuesday, it's Christopher Paolini. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Welcome to the pod. I I think our viewers should know that it is currently...
2: Eleven twenty-five at night i don't know what you're talking about and mm-hmm. and and the reason it's that late with us doing this is because the event i just did here in toronto was fantastic the amount of people that showed up was beyond anything we expected and the signing just went on for well uh it started at seven and finished somewhat past 11 so mm-hmm. um thanks to everyone who showed up and uh now we're getting to, t- to actually sit down and chat.
1: Yeah, if you want to see pictures of that, I'm sure they'll go up on your uh, your Twitter your X account. Yes, one well, I on. posted
0: one on ours as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, there were the, a lot
1: uh, of excited fans there,
0: and uh, a sold out store. Uh, we couldn't even. We thank God we had already bought a book because we couldn't mm-hmm. even get one. Yeah, the 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 staff was telling
2: me they were uh, bussing in books from four different stores. They had to do three rounds of Ubers going out and getting books and bring them in. Um, I mean, to see that amount of uh, enthusiasm and turnout 12 years after, you know, Inheritance came out. Of course, there was The Fork, The Witch, and The Worm, mm-hmm. the short story collection, and, of course, my science fiction books. But when The Fork, The Witch, and The Worm came out, I remember a guy uh, tweeted at me a little video of him holding up the book and saying, uh, What is this, a book for ants? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first full-sized, on you know, um, entry
0: into the world in 12 years. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I full-sized for you, because for most authors, this this is like five books.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when,
0: when I pulled up the audiobook and it was like 25 hours, I was like, oh, boy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we got to get through this in uh, 25 hours and 48 hours. And I was like, well, let's up the speed. We'll see yeah. how fast I can listen to Thorne's uh, grumbly little voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have not read a book this fast in uh, like over a decade, I think. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I-, I hope the speed of it didn't ruin the experience for you. No, I listened to everything at 1.5 speed minimum. Uh, yeah. So this, it was great. It was fantastic for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, that, that book is Murtag, which, mm. uh, like you said, uh, it's been 12 years since Inheritance. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12 years since we saw the end of the Inheritance Cycle and Aragon um, shuffled off uh, the Allegasian part of the coil of that earth. <laughs> and uh, what is it like sitting here uh, 12 years later and you have another full novel out in the world of Allegasia?
2: Uh, pretty pretty surreal, especially since this year also marks the 20th year anniversary of the original hardcover publication of Aragon. And of course, I've been working on it for even longer than that. So I started writing Aragon in, in 1998, which means this is 25 years, so a quarter of a century I've been on this series. I mean, it's it's my life. Mm-hmm. It has been more than half my life, mm-hmm. uh, So, but to be able to come back revisit the characters, revisit the world. It was like returning home. And I, again, I'm just very grateful that the audience is still there. And so far, people seem to be very positive about the book. Um, so I'm, I'm happy.
1: Yeah, I think for the audience, uh, it, it, it also feels similarly because I believe I read Aragon in 2005, 2006-ish. Uh, and so um, it has been uh, with me for more than half my life. I have read that first book, over 30 times my first edition wow. fell apart okay and... <laughs> so what is what is your
2: favorite part in that first book if you have one
1: in the first book my favorite part um i i i believe is the meeting Murtag for the first time and wow. aragon having someone who's more his age and his life experience level
0: mm. um
1: i i love i love their interactions so much and the 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 uh fleeing through the biore mountains to get to the varden like the time that they spend together and the relationship that they have and so when murtag was coming out i was so excited for this book because i think he's a very beloved character for the community
0: (laughs) Um, so what one of the things that we've actually been talking about a lot the last few weeks uh and that we wanted to ask you about today is that this series deals a lot with fathers Mm. and absent fathers and difficult fathers and since you wrote the series, um, you've become a father yourself. Mm-hmm. And so l- looking back on that series, how is your fatherhood that you have now obtained? Um, that's a weird word for it, <laughs> uh, How has that changed the way that you look back on the way that you created the father figures of Allegasia? Uh,
2: you know, that's a really interesting question. I should make the point that this is actually the first interview I've done since Murtag has been released. It's the oh, first really? time I can actually talk about some of these things. Um, nice. <laughs> there are going to be some spoilers here, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm going to dance around things, but there are going to be some spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really change too much, but it did change one thing in particular. Um, in Murtag, without getting too spoilery, there's, yeah. a, there's a moment that uh, Murtag is having a flashback recollection of his own father and mm-hmm. his mother. I think you know the scene I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, <laughs> it, would be,
0: it would be hard to read the book and forget it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and writing that, um, I was I was really sort of drawing off of what I have seen with my children and how they behave and play and how they sort of view and interact with the adults around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that helped me. But as far as like Murt- Murtag's feelings toward his father or Aragorn's feelings toward his father... Um, those were already established. Those characters are already established. So I wouldn't say that uh, being a father has necessarily changed that a huge amount because fortunately I have a good relationship with my father and so far my kids have a good relationship with me <laughs> uh, except when they're trying to stay up too late. Uh, <laughs> like recording an it's, uh, interview. It's 1130 at night, <laughs> um, so, so, you know, it's not reflecting what I have in my life. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to follow the logic of who those characters are and what their relationships are.
1: Do you have any different feelings towards Brahm in your very, very first book based on being a dad now?
2: A little bit. I also just having more time away from that first book, I wish we'd had more Brahm, quite honestly. Like knowing his Mm -hmm. whole backstory, Mm -hmm. which I did at the time, but it got developed over the course of the series and the fact that Aragon learns more and talks about it. Um, I kind of wish we'd had more time with him. I was like, I want more with him knowing what he and who he was.
1: hmm mm-hmm. So
2: maybe I'll write a prequel about him.
1: Well, I was going to say um, there is a Disney Plus series that mm. uh, is in the very, very early stages. Yeah. Um, if if you had, you know, all the power in the world, would you give Brahm a little bit more time in the Disney Plus series then?
2: Probably. Uh, I've been joking we should cast, cast uh, Sean Bean because then he can get, <laughs> meet an early demise. Uh, originally, I wanted I wanted Sean Connery or Patrick Stewart, but
1: oh wow, I, I okay. I
2: think we need someone a little more robust at the moment. <laughs> I, I um, do love
0: how different their vibes are. They
1: are. Are there actually yeah.
0: Carl Urban could do it. these? He's getting he's getting. Oh crusty. my best friend. There's <laughs> There's a very funny um, in the the first season of The Boys. Uh, she was an extra in a scene with Carl Urban, uh, and she didn't know who he was. And I, she was sitting behind him reading. I was reading The of- Two
1: Towers. And he kept giving me the weirdest look. And I was confused because I didn't realize that he was uh, in that movie. And so it was uncomfortable for everyone involved.
0: Oh, uh, That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the fatherhood is an interesting thing. One, one of the relationships that I feel like you didn't explore as much in uh, the Aragon series um, but did become a little bit more important here in Murtag is um, mothers. And we 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 kind of see a scene uh, other than the Queen of Zondi, uh, I can't pronounce words, uh, and Arya relationship from the original <laughs> yeah. series, which I feel like is kind of the mother connection that we get there. Uh, what 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 was the process of um, exploring Selena and how, getting to like bring a scene with her into the series for the first time? I, I mean, it was. It was a lot of fun i wanted to do
2: more uh mm-hmm. <laughs> i actually had a whole backstory speaking of mothers planned with nasuada's mother mm. for the inheritance cycle oh. and just the way the scenes worked out in the, sh- in the in the series there was never an opportunity for that that to naturally come out in mm-hmm. her conversations with anyone that we saw um but no it was great having selena appear obviously it's a hazy memory on Murtag's point of view but she sort of looms large over the story as a whole in the book, uh, and rightly so, because he perhaps unfairly blames her for some of his circumstances, and he has to come to terms with that. And there's a another character in the book who perhaps uh, is forcing herself into a mothering position uh, during the story, <laughs> and, and, and mm-hmm. Murtag has to... Grapple with that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we we want to bring that up because we were we went on. Are we are
2: we going full spoilery at this point? Spoilers are. Do you know what I? We're we're dancing it's your around only and using
0: Mertag, and we don't yeah. have you for four hours. Guys, so we're we're using spoilers. Euphemisms.
1: Yeah, full spoilers.
0: I'm gonna say full spoilers. Yeah, the book's great. Go read Murtag. Yeah, we both love it. If you're gonna click
1: away because you're like, I, I still got to read it. That is a okay. Like the video, but this is gonna be full spoilers to give you a chance to really talk about it as well as us.
0: Because <laughs> um, honestly, like I, I want your full deep thoughts. I don't want to talk beat around the bush. We went on for like I think like 25 minutes on our book club on Tuesday talking about bersinger mm-hmm. about how. Um, there, there, there is a criticism of a lot of white male authors uh, of the fantasy genre and the way that they write women. Mm. And we were talking about, like, you are so good at writing women and you write so many diverse women mm-hmm. in your books mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we really enjoy, right? But between Arya, Angela, Nasawada, Queen Eslanzadi, yeah, like, you write fantasy with women in positions of power, with agency, and, like, with action. Mm-hmm. And then we get to this book and we, we meet this villain, Bechel. Mm-hmm. and um, she's basically like, what if Angela was evil? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way, but... We wanted I to hadn't ask the- either,
1: and he brought that up, and I was like, oh. Well, I was
0: kind of reading the book. I was like, did Christopher Paulini and his sister have a fight? Like, what <laughs> What changed in that relationship? Oh, my gosh. Because she's awful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I was actually thinking... So I've watched a lot of movies in my life, and I a lot of old movies, too. I was thinking of um, some of the... Classic actresses from the golden age of Hollywood who would come onto screen with, you know, a very imperious uh, feel. And, you know, like Sunset Boulevard or mm-hmm. All About Eve or some of those films. And um, Bichelle is sort of in that category of mm-hmm. presence. And uh, I think it, it's exactly what was needed to put Murtag on his back, on, on his off-balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also thinking of Kai Wynn from Deep Space Nine, if you've seen Deep Space Nine.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: yeah, so. Okay, uh,
1: <clears throat> uh, I see the inspiration. I've always
2: said the Kai win and, um, oh, what's her name from uh, Harry Potter, the headmistress?
0: Oh,
1: Umbridge?
2: Some. Kai Winn and Umbridge and, uh-huh. and Hyacinth Bouquet, if you've ever seen, are you, uh, the British show uh, "Keeping Up Appearances." No, the three of them in a room together will <laughs> would be like a nuclear explosion. But... Truly,
1: not a room I would want to be in. That's no, for sure. No, uh, <laughs> Gosh. So, what, um,
0: what when you were approaching bringing this book uh, from the, the the fork, the short story about yeah. the fork into a full novel, at what point did you create this character and where did she come from?
2: I had a general idea before writing. Murtag, of course. You know, I did a little bit of plotting and well, a lot of plotting and preparatory work, but you never know how a character is going to come across until you write the first draft. And mm-hmm. in the first draft, Michelle was not as successful as she is now. I think I I was writing the first draft quickly, and I was thinking of the stories a little bit more of like a Edgar Rice Burroughs style adventures. You know, you go off into the jungle and you find a hidden temple and lost civilization sort of thing, but. Uh, and as a result, in the first draft, Bachel was much more vampy. I mean, I really mm-hmm. went hard on that angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then looking back over, it's like it didn't work, and it was it was so cliche and obvious. It was like, yeah, I, I needed to find another approach. So I kept reworking Bachel with every, each cycle of revision. And it was getting better. The character was getting better and better. But I wasn't fully committing to the change. And it was right at the end of revisions. I mean, we were down to the wire. And my editor said, you know, we're still not quite there. And Mm -hmm. and, and even though I hated to have to have any more work at that point, I knew she was right. So Mm -hmm. I went in. I mean, we're talking with a week to spare before we went to the printers. And I rewrote the first four chapters or so when he gets to the village. I mean, okay. it, I rewrote pretty much every line of dialogue of hers and every description of her um to bring it to where we are now. And then I was like, okay, now it works and my editor agreed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh I I think she is terrifying and one of those like characters that's not mustache evil, no. but like has so much evil within her um that like it it is um it is definitely more interesting to read because you really at least from my perspective you believe that she she thinks she is can do no wrong that she is always doing the right thing and that she knows what's best for all the people around her and as
2: a result is capable of anything
1: Mm
2: uh so all of which is to answer your question her character um, was an iterative process to get where she needed to go. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What are you the most proud of in Murtag? Like, do you have a favorite scene or character or moment mm. um, that you want to share?
2: Personally, um, I really love getting a lot more with the relationship with Murtag and Thorn. Mm-hmm. Since we're doing spoilers. Yes. Warnings, <laughs> folks. Uh, I loved the fight with Mukma.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I
2: really liked... Um, I can't wait for that fan art.
1: <laughs> uh, I
2: really liked um, when she shook the villa When she shook the valley, Michelle shook the oh, valley.
1: Mm-hmm. Did
0: she shake the valley though, or is there a giant dragon <laughs> under the earth? Well, that that's moved a in its slumber. Good question. I have theories.
1: <laughs> we have questions. Yes, um, yes.
0: There's a lot of
2: scenes that I really enjoyed writing, and I really enjoyed thinking about, and I liked being being able to really dig into the lore of the world a little bit more and contribute to it in this book.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite things about the book is that Murtag, and um, he kind of like how Angela and uh, Bashel are almost like evil twins, mm. uh, Murtag goes through some of the same beats that Aragon gets in his I'm book. I'm
2: so glad you noticed. And I didn't even <laughs> do it on purpose. When I was going through editing, I started r- working up a, li- a whole list of things. I was like... These are mirrored experiences mm-hmm. to some of the things that happened with Aragon. And I think it was I didn't I didn't fight it. I
0: actually embraced it.
1: I think it's great because they don't turn out the same. No. They are different people who experience similar things. Well
0: and and what I loved about it in the reading is the there's so many experiences that Aragon got through because either he was the first rider, and so people were treating him with a kindness that they wouldn't show a normal person. Mm-hmm. Or we we got that Aragon will persevere through anything and he yeah. just kind of shows up and gets it done. Murtag experiences so many of the same situations, and his approach is to replace like Aragon's perseverance with a kindness that was so unexpected from a character with his history. And so the, the this book shows Murtag's he's got like a really kind heart deep at the the center of him mm-hmm. yeah. and he goes through some really awful stuff, <laughs> Yeah, but he keeps that yeah. kind heart. And I, I guess, um, how did you approach writing the, the, the soft interior of this man who's been through so that you've really put through so much <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> Yes, uh, but maintaining that like really kind core that allows him to accomplish what he accomplishes. That, that again was something that was a bit iterative.
2: Um, I wrote the book really thinking that the, the, theme was him he him and thorn grappling with their status in society like are they going to remain outcasts exiles are they going to reintegrate What, what is their role in the world and how mm-hmm. do they feel about it and after my editor read it she said yes that's there by the way did you notice how he acts around children <laughs> i said well yes so, and she said take another look at that mm-hmm. and it ended up it tied into so many important things for Murtag that that really added a whole other layer. And, you know, with Aragon, there's there's a certain innocent slash naive, naive, I can't talk at this time of day. Yeah, You know I word, French word for... It's the middle of the night. Naivete. So Naivete, thank you, Naivete, thank you. Um, to Aragon that can sometimes lead him to, A, be very successful at what he does, but also be a little bit, I don't want to say cruel, but, I mean, like, He's willing to kill and do things just like Murtag is Mm -hmm. but he's also innocent to a certain degree Mm -hmm. at least to Mm -hmm. start with and it leads to a different approach and a different outcome Mm -hmm. whereas Murtag has had such dark experiences in his life he approaches it very differently and Mm -hmm. it actually gets him into deep trouble in this book because he refuses to accept help when he should have looked for help and stays in a place he shouldn't stay when he knows he shouldn't stay and thus ends up in deep trouble. And for me, the moment fairly late in the book when he finally thinks that, you know, he should have reached out to Aragon and he knows Aragon would have helped him.
1: Mm-hmm. And he hates it.
2: <laughs> he does, but but even then he would accept it. Like yeah. he's in the dire, mm-hmm. the most dire depths of despair. And and at that point, he starts rebuilding and accepting help. And Uvek, Alin, you know he starts actually accepting help, and that's why by the end of the book, you know he's willing to. That that's one thing I'm not going to spoil, but at the very end mm-hmm. of the book, he actually is willing to participate
0: in society, so to mm-hmm. speak, and Thorn as well. Mm-hmm. So going to Uvek, you've introduced another Urgle. Mm. Uh, I I think that for a lot of readers, the the twist on the Urgles and Eldest, they are not just you know. Bestial orcs or yurakai right. or whatever other fran- franchise does with them, um, <laughs> trollics for Wheel of Time. Sure, yeah. uh, yeah. The, the fact that they are this sentient race that wants to join the fight and yeah. uh, on the side of good, right? That the, they do have that. I, I think that that shook me when I was, you know, whatever, uh, 12 or 13 12, when, when like, I first read what? it. Um, how was it bringing another like lead character really uh from that race into the book and and the scene where uh one of the things i really loved about the book is the scene where um they're flying to the city the the village Mm. and they see the village of Mm urgles and you introduce like they're just kind of they're playing with bows they're they're just having a normal day yeah and he, he has this moment internally where he's like, oh, maybe I need to be more inquisitive. <laughs> it reminded me of Ted Lasso. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, no, U- Uvek's one of my favorite characters from the book.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Urgal culture. I find it interesting. I wouldn't want to live next to an Urgal village necessarily, Fair. but mm-hmm. uh, especially since I have kids. But uh, dramatically, creatively, they're really interesting to write about. And mm-hmm. trying to balance them in the sense that they're a warrior culture like, we could say, the Klingons, mm-hmm. right? But right. the Klingons take it to such a degree that realistically, you start asking the question of how have they survived? Like, how did they yes. build a <laughs> space alive? civilization <laughs> when it seems like they tear each other apart yeah. um, super quickly? So with the with the oracles, I wanted to show more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, in The Fork of the Witch and the Worm, the largest of the stories in that is The Worm, which mm-hmm. is an Urgle story. So, uh, and since, you know, I was looking at ways of uh, exploring the idea of, you know, Murtag and Thorne's relationship with society, being an outcast, all of that, you know, the Urgles are outcasts in the land also. The other races aren't particularly fond of them. So that was a nice connection to bring in and uh, reflect off of Murtag, so to speak.
1: hmm Was the theme of inheritance... In Murtag intentional, like with the relationships with the children, and like um, I- imparting either like you know a gift of a fork or like wisdom <laughs> onto, or even like a sense of caring onto like a younger generation, was that intentional to to bring over from the inheritance cycle, or was that found kind of naturally?
2: It, it was just what this particular story needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know. Murtag is already grown up. You know, he's not an adolescent. Uh, he's, he's, he is a grown man. Mm-hmm. But this, this particular transformation that he needs to go through is not complete. Um, and the, the, all the stuff with the children and the young people in the story was, um, I mean, it's a nice tie-in, that theme of inheritance.
0: But it, yeah. it was, <laughs> I wasn't aiming for that.
1: Right. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, one of the things that we get a lot of in this book that was uh, really wonderful uh, after reading kind of inheritance was thorn's we don't really get his POV, but we get some yeah. POV through Mertag of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah I think he only has one line in the in in the entire inheritance, in inheritance like, mm-hmm. yeah yeah in yep. the last book. Mm-hmm. and we get a lot of him here mm-hmm. and uh, we get a very different rider dragon relationship yeah. between mm-hmm. him and Thor between him and Mertag versus ifphi and Aragon. Uh, what what was the process of crafting that relationship to be similar in its, like, magical quality, but also different in the fact that they they had a very (laughs) trying kind of hatching. Well, I mean, that was the key right there. And I wanted
2: it to feel different while still maintaining the sense that they'll back each other up no matter what, Mm -hmm. which they have in the past. That's an important part of that. But Murtag is kind of a difficult personality himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thorns, you know, as we see in the book, of course, you know had a very very difficult uh upbringing under galbatorix and then later on and you know that leaves scars that leaves marks so trying to find a way to reflect that in the relationship without having them also just be at each other's throats because they're not um yeah. they are being supportive but at the same time they have you know it's 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 perhaps an overused word these days but they have trauma that they are
1: is a having big to theme of this yeah <laughs> this well, and tra- and trauma
0: really is at the center both physical and emotional Mm -hmm. traumas at the the center of the series. Um,
1: Yeah, I I definitely got like choked up with just Thorne and his claustrophobia mm -hmm. and uh, like how how it was written, how it was handled, um, like everything surrounding it. We don't need to get into like exact spoilers. (laughs) um, But like out of pure curiosity, do you or do someone you know have that kind of like claustrophobia that you were able to like speak to about no no no. No, i'm Um, just curious
2: i mean a large part of the the act of writing is the act of imagination just like with Mm -hmm. acting acting right you Uh know yeah um but even though there's no one in my life who suffers from that when i'm writing thorn or anyone who might feel that i do my best to feel what they're feeling Mm -hmm. Um, which is why when writing scenes or multiple, you know, a large chunk of a book where perhaps things are difficult for the characters, um, I have a bad time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hope you take breaks, you know? like <laughs> Yeah, that,
2: that's where it's fun to go play with the kids. It's good to go play with the kids and, and yeah. take take a load off one's mind. But it's mm-hmm. very, I mean, like um, some of the battle scenes in, the, in Inheritance um, really got to me at times because I'm um, thinking actually, especially in Inheritance, but also in Brissinger, there were some large large set pieces you know mm-hmm. battles mm-hmm. and it just you know it takes a couple of weeks to write sometimes and that's a long time to have your head in blood and
1: guts yeah i i oh. like the the one moment of inheritance uh strangely enough because there's so many big moments but i think in the tunnels under dress leona mm. um that one when like, aria
2: pulled her hand <laughs> out <laughs> of the iron cuff
1: like my heart like i think about it and i'm like i get sweaty <laughs> yeah 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 there's uh some powerful moments
0: um yeah there is a extended period of this book uh that is very traumatic mm-hmm. uh that is i would say probably the most adult or it's not even about being an adult it's the darkest i think the series ever gets yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: where did you Find the line. Were there any drafts where you felt like you went too far with that section, or where you had to pull it back? Uh, it, yes, <laughs> uh,
2: not a huge amount though. Uh, I mean, first of all, I throw everything in in my first drafts—kitchen mm-hmm. sink—because you can always dial it back. Yeah. So I always, whatever I, whatever, so whatever it is, even if thing. even <laughs> even if it's a funny scene, it's like I push it as far as I can mm-hmm. and then see how it hits the audience. So. In the sequence you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, there was one thing in particular I did that I actually don't want to talk about. Um, that's okay. That I cut out during editing, mm-hmm. um, at my editor's very wise advice, and I'm really glad I did. But mm-hmm. that was that was a thing because I was like, "How far can I take this?"
0: And that was too far. It's an element that's always been a part of these books. Yeah. Uh, going back to Aria in uh but but, but it's Gilead. been talked around and mm. like mentioned up until I think the burrow grubs in inheritance which uh, <laughs> rude. yeah uh oh,
1: that one is rude yeah we, we we got some
0: comments when we when we announced we were going to do this uh on book club Mm-hmm. <laughs> some people are like, "Oh, I'm just going to read them all now and be ready for it." And in our Discord, there were some people who are like, "So I got to inheritance, and these bro—I don't know how I like, feel about um, these bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: they're they're bad. I, yeah. I won't lie. They came from a
2: nightmare. Mm-hmm. That literally came from a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, they would okay, have to. Okay,
1: yeah. I don't so know where else.
2: <laughs> I I, in, I shared <laughs> it with the world mm-hmm. so that it's out of my head and into yours. Mm-hmm. I, but I guess... when, when I write about something, I stop thinking about it. After it's done, like like it cleans, it, it purges it from my brain. Interesting. Wow, I need some.
0: There's some things I need to write <laughs> well, down.
1: No, at people journal and and like yeah. use diaries and writing as a form of like just p- transforming thoughts. And I think that that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
0: I, I think at, at this point it's fair to say after 20 years that you're a fairly successful genre <laughs> writer. Mm. Um, you have you've found success in both fantasy with a series that means a great deal to us Mm -hmm. Uh, and also in sci-fi now with your fractal verse series um what advice would you give to young writers who are interested in the genre space in creating something new for this space
1: Mm
0: -hmm. i mean we could be here for another hour talking about
2: that (laughs) well one of us will fall asleep (laughs) (laughs) um that's a difficult question i think i think Reading a lot in the genre mm-hmm. is whatever genre you're writing in is a, is a good first step, is a necessary step. You need mm-hmm. to know what's being written about before you can do anything with it. Um, the idea that you're going to come up with something 100% original all on your own without reading anything that's going on is probably unrealistic. A lot of culture is a is commentary or a reaction to what already exists. Mm-hmm. Not all of it, but a lot. So that, w- that would be one. Um, and another the thing would be to pay attention to what you don't like. So Mm -hmm. you read a book with dragons and you don't like the fact that, you know, the writer gives them a certain feature or behaviorism or something behavior. So then you do your version in your story and that can be a good way to find, uh, niches or under exploited or new areas. Uh, yeah. Uh, also having some, um, experience with, where these genres come from. You know, fantasy has roots going back into all the old myths and legends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Science fiction often does as well, but there's also a large history of, you know, sci-fi going back to the thirties and forties and earlier. So having a sense of history is also really helpful because I've actually seen a couple of manuscripts from aspiring writers where uh, science fiction actually, where I was like, this is a cool idea. This is really, you know, have you seen what Heinlein did with this? You know, and they've, never read what I'm referencing but Mm -hmm. it's a similar thing that they're kind of replicating that so it's like it's helpful to know what's been done Um, you can't read everything you know there's a limit to all of that but those those things seem to be generally helpful and then a lot of the um, basic skills you need for storytelling apply to anything whether you're writing literary fiction or you know romance or genre of any Mm -hmm. type so
0: familiarize yourself with the basic tools and structures of storytelling. Since we're full spoilers,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. it's got to be said, this book ends, it it doesn't really, right? (laughs) Close your ears!
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to spoil the very end. (laughs) Oh, okay. um,
0: But you kind of leave off on like, this is the start of a grand adventure. Yeah. Yeah. When is the next book coming out? (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow, if I could write it. Right. um, I've got, I have so
2: many stories I want to write both in the world of Aragon and in the Fractalverse, which is my sci-fi mm-hmm, series, mm-hmm. and it's just a question of time. Mm-hmm. So, I, so
1: which one is next? <laughs> well,
2: ideally, I would love to bounce between Fractalverse, World of Aragon, Fractalverse, mm-hmm. World of Aragon. However, at least so far, and fingers crossed, uh, Murtag seems to be doing it rather extraordinarily well. And. Mm-hmm. That's a rather strong motivation to write the next one in this series as well. But creatively, I need some contrast. It helps keep things fresh. Uh, The monkey wrench in all of this that could potentially um, happen is, of course, the Disney Plus show. Sure. They're going to want you to put out another book. (laughs) Well, no. I am uh, attached as executive producer Mm -hmm. and uh, also as co-writer. so
1: you're gonna be busy I'm gonna be
2: very busy that's right if anyone knows anything about television shows there's no extra time when one of these big budget shows gets go- gets ramped up uh, yeah. I'm also attached to a television adaptation of To Sleep in a Sea of Stars which is not dead and actually has some li- life in it
1: okay um,
2: well, so if okay. one or both <laughs> of those actually happens mm-hmm. I really have no idea what's gonna to happen to my writing time and when I'll be able to knock out another book that um, is fair <laughs> So right now, my, con- my my focus is survive my book tour, which has been awesome <laughs> and wonderful. But mm-hmm. I'm on the road from November 6th until December 16th. And that includes the US, Toronto, and then UK and Europe.
1: Oh, right. I forgot it was across the pond. Well, <laughs> yes. if,
0: if you need contrast, you could be nice to your characters for a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mention that because the next book I would
2: like to write in an ideal world is actually um, set in the Fractal Verse, but it's on Earth in... Mm-hmm you know real world in like early 1900s sort of a steampunk ya adventure but intrepid young girl who wants to be an explorer and ends up on a a zeppelin sort of thing and there's shenanigans very um, cool yeah something lighthearted. i feel yeah. like something lighthearted. Mm-hmm.
1: cleanse the palate a little bit yes, yes. I, hopefully this
2: is not scaring anyone off from reading murtag
1: no it's fa- it's fantastic and it, you know i think think just because it is darker doesn't mean it's it's bad <laughs> i think that it's a, honestly a perfect natural progression from the inheritance cycle to this character
2: well i think it's
0: what the character needed yeah. i also mm-hmm. don't think it's Depressing, ultimately. No,
1: n- no, 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 no. I, yeah. I think
0: that there. I think, like we said, there there is a chunk that is is hard yeah. to get through. But I didn't but finish
1: if, it and feel badly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> But it's also if
0: if if it's not hard to get through, why did the character go through it? Like, why are we reading about mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. This is something we talk about a lot. Where we'll we'll watch TV shows or we'll read books where it's like, okay, this was this was like this character got from this point to like lit- physically from this point in the world to this point in the world. But they didn't go through, like, they didn't go any through anything. And so to read a book where, you know, Murte goes through it, but mm-hmm. there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's a there's a goal. There, mm-hmm. There's a place to land. Mm-hmm. And I, I I really appreciated that about it. I think because we've read all five of these books for the last four weeks, mm-hmm. one of the fun things has been watching, like, your writing go from Aragon, which is very... I was 15. But, no, no, but it's it's very clean, right? Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's very, like, it's a quick book about these characters end up on this journey. Yeah. And there's a fight at the end and th- there's a really cool dragon, it's right? It's
1: very clear what you're trying to do and I think it was incredibly successful or we wouldn't be here mm. today. <laughs> and then by
0: Brissinger, it's a mess and everybody's <laughs> like everybody's everywhere. Yeah. And the world is this huge complicated like lovable place with all these people that you you adore. But watching the way you've grown from that and then to take the steps into this very mature handling of allegation this book, it just it feels like in the last month I've like read a career of like writing enhancement. And thank <laughs> you. It's, it's been really it's been really exceptional. Like mm-hmm. I, I, this book was so much fun. We we both had yeah. such a blast last two days. I've actually mm-hmm. w- wish
2: I could read the books without being so familiar with them for that mm. very reason, like yeah. I kind of want to see how they change over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting you mess. Like, you mentioned like Brissinger versus this one, and and even inheritance, which is I kind of wanted to dial it back with this one. It's mm-hmm. it's it's much more of a character study. It's much more focused on Murtag and Thorn. Um, I mean, we spend a lot of time alone with them actually mm-hmm. over the yeah. course of the book, and there there isn't any one character that's with them through the whole story. Um,
1: which I think is reflective of Aragon again in yes. his first book.
2: And it's still a large book. I mean, it's still a 700-page book. Yep. Um, <laughs> and yet for all of that, it is much more focused. I actually think, now some readers may disagree with me on this, but personally, I think a lot more happens in this book than Aragon. And it's not actually that much longer in terms of word count, but it still feels to me like a lot more
0: happens in this book than mm-hmm.
1: Aragon.
0: Yeah, and you, you, the the interesting choice to break it up um, into the sections of each city. Mm. Um really like the just the the section in Gilead is basically a novel on its own. Yeah. There's there's a full there's so there's a full happens. arc in Gilead yeah. that like would be a normal sized novel for any other writer. <laughs> I, I nearly split it into two volumes actually there, mm-hmm. but mm. my
2: editor said, no, don't do that. Um the funny thing about Gilead is that actually was not in my original outline.
1: The oh, whole really?
2: sequence. Um Wow. And the reason is that, for me, I was envisioning a much shorter book. And the mm-hmm. whole thing right. was going to be them going to the village and dealing with Bichelle. So let's get to the village as quickly as possible. So we'll just have a chapter two at the beginning of getting the information. Well, you know, storytelling 101, you can't make it easy for the character. So yeah. having Murtag just be able to go get that information somewhere, find it out, just felt too easy. Mm-hmm also i kind of locked myself into a little path because the first chunk of the book is reworking the short story from the fork the witch and the worm mm-hmm. and at the end of that Murtag does not have the information he needs so he can't get it from the people he interacts mm-hmm. with in that chapter which if i were writing Murtag as a complete standalone i could have considered that so then i thought well he'll go to gilead and we'll have a really quick thing there and he'll <laughs> get he'll, he'll get his information right
0: um, and then we spent five chapters
2: fishing. No, 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 because because, <laughs> because I started writing it the way originally envisioned, but again, it was the problem. It was too easy. So right. it was like, okay, there needs to be a challenge here. What else is going on? How mm-hmm. does it tie into my larger world and story? And it does. There's some unresolved storylines there, but it does tie into mm-hmm. the larger stuff I'm going to later. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, now it's half the book. I mean, seriously, at the end of Gilead, oh, actually, at the end of the following chapter, right after Gilead,
0: is almost perfectly 50% through the book. Well, that's where we're, because right. we're splitting this into two weeks of our book club. That's mm-hmm. the point that yep. we're stopping is the where it switches to Nal Gorgoth. Yep. So,
2: so there's there's a theory of storytelling. I'm sure everyone's heard of the three-act play. But mm-hmm. um, there's a competing theory, which I'm actually very fond of, which is the five-act play. Mm-hmm. So you have um, two acts at the beginning, two acts at the end, and then your middle act, and then you have an act in the middle. Um, and in that middle act, you have um, a tipping point where your character sort of sees what they need or yeah. sees what mm-hmm. they can become. They, they ultimately see their own solution to their problems, but then the rest of the, the, the back half of the story is them grappling with that solution, coming to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually worked it was not intentional but it worked out perfectly with the structure of this book um yeah. the structure of this book is also directly inspired by some of the structuring
0: that i did in my sci-fi novels and i carried some of it back into Allegasia. Mm. It's, it's interesting that this wasn't part of the original plan because i without gilead i don't know that i would have fully bought into the dreamers being this threat outside of the town, mm-hmm. and it—it right. really is like from from Murtag's reticence around swearing the oath and breaking the oath that isn't even in the ancient language, right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. into the his relationship with the boy that he meets in that barracks, Esfar, um, uh, Esfar, yes. who is just a heartbreaking, yep. like that the him seeing Thorn, that and the moment where Murtag sees Esfar see Thorn angry mm. is just one of the most moving parts of the book for me because right. it is really this kid who is so excited to have a friend mm. and it goes wrong so quickly <laughs> yeah. but the, the the whole gilead sequence sets up the world threat that that i think puts this I, I, yeah yeah I, it, it's interesting like i think you could make more book about mertag without it but now i'm so excited about allegasia <laughs> as a whole again yeah because that sequence is really where you're like oh shit bichelle's really bad but like these yeah. people are everywhere
1: it like broadens right. the lens on it for uh-huh. yeah and mm-hmm. it, it kind of it makes you a lot more worried for people and for allegation as a whole because mm-hmm. like
2: <laughs> I, I, I really want to write the next one
1: <laughs> i would love I, I, that look, look, look,
2: look and I, I need to say this to my readers because i have how do i put this i've been kind of Writing checks for a long time that I need to start cashing. <laughs> I need to start cashing um, yeah. in the inheritance cycle and also in the fractal verse. I've mm-hmm. laid down a lot of mysteries, a lot of questions, yes.
0: and there are answers due. So, so you're saying we right. might find out what the Minoa tree took from Aragon?
2: That was always going to be book
0: five, except now Murtag is book five. Ah,
1: um, so. And we'll the re- I was
2: gearing up to write book five, <laughs> mm-hmm. but then. Right. So book five is set further down the timeline, not mm-hmm. massively, but further down the timeline. And I realized I was having to do too much. Um, it's like it's like George R. R. Martin with his time jump that he wanted to do. I was having to yeah. do too much right. explaining of what had already happened. Right. Uh, so Murtag was the perfect opportunity to just both tell his story and fix address his character and set the groundwork
1: for that. Well, and that I think that's what's so successful about the book is that it broadens up what is next for Allegasia, but it also really like focused in on Murtag and his journey, and he is a completely different character by the end of it. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah. Uh, One of the last questions I would love to ask, because uh, I was very curious mm-hmm. reading this. You tie Galbatorix to Bichelle in this mm. book in a way. What, what were there, was, there, was that like? nerve wracking to like because uh, th- there's that element of like oh am I going to take something away from this the the previous story by like tying it in yeah, here? yeah
2: and and it's possible someone some people are going to view it as too much of a retcon mm-hmm. but um to that I would say two things one some of this a lot of this has been planned for a very long time mm-hmm. by me mm-hmm. two, I wouldn't believe a hundred percent everything Bichelle says and and Mertag brings that up in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I I have my own theories for how what Galbatorix thought and felt and was actually up to. I don't mm-hmm. think actually that the Dreamers had as much control. Or now, in fact, the whole reason I'm sure he was looking for the name of names, the name of the ancient language, was um, uh, to wipe the Dreamers out in many ways. Mm. Um, but he. No, no, they—they, they, I, I wouldn't
0: trust everything Michelle says. Gotcha.
1: I <laughs> love that, that is answer. very fun. Very fun.
0: <laughs> One last comment. This isn't even a question. I <laughs> loved at the beginning of this book because I was kind of like, "Oh, Murtag's a badass. Like, what problems could he have?" And then you immediately brought up that Galbatorix intentionally did not make him fluent in the ancient language, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, we have a book."
1: Yeah. yeah. Because
0: like Aragorn's knowledge of the ancient language. Is, is one of those things that you kind of have to be like, well, he's really, really good at magic, right? Yeah. How do you yeah. write around that? And Murtag is like, I know, like, fire and lightning and <laughs> yeah. how to blow shit up. Christa like, he's like, and... I know how to make a bomb, but I don't know how to cook a meal, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: that 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 moment to me early on was where I was like, oh, I there there's so much room for this guy to go. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here. Well, it's actually one of the
2: reasons why I haven't wanted to, like, go back and write a book from Aragon's point of view. Like, mm-hmm. his story's done in a lot of ways doesn't mean he doesn't have more adventure doesn't mean he doesn't change but like that big arc in a lot of ways is finished now that said I finally did get an idea for a story from his point of view and some stuff with Arya um, uh-huh. for a new book okay. and, and there's, there is a story that actually exists for aragon that deserves his point of view but i agree with you it was nice to write a character who had more limitations it made the world more interesting mertag himself had to be more clever at times Mm -hmm.
0: because of those limitations Mm -hmm. um and the name of
1: names doesn't just work which i like i was like oh he wins like
0: (laughs) yeah and he was clearly inspired by aragon Mm-hmm. Even even though he was like begrudging about it, but the 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 plane with him, his inspiration of how Aragon beat Galbatorix, changing how he approached situations in this book, mm-hmm. allowed Aragon. He you know he's he's not a character in this book, but he's there for yeah. all of it. And I thought that you handled. I yeah, I, I thought you handled that very well. Yeah, personally, Thank
1: you. yeah. Um, we should probably wrap up, mm-hmm. um, I have one last fun question just for me personally. In Inheritance, um, is what Angela is writing down a Doctor Who reference?
2: Maybe. Is
1: it Rax Gorka Now
2: that would be copyright <laughs> infringement. Right, but right. It
1: is the legally distinct version of that. <laughs> that, Yes, of, yes. I am a
2: Doctor mm, Who fan. Okay, so.
1: okay, okay. I do remember I, I I think I screamed when I read that. <laughs> um because Doctor Who at the time was my favorite show. Well, um and I just wanted to. Well no, 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 affirm. I have
2: to I have to ask. Have you read To Sleep in a Sea of
1: Stars? I actually haven't yet. Um one of the one of the joys about starting a book club together, uh, is that I have found time to read again because I read so much growing up until I was about 19 and then life and mm. you have to be an adult and pay bills um, and I have not been able to do a lot of reading since then but um we started a book club for the Wheel of Time, and that took two years of my life. And now I can read other things. Uh, <laughs> well, so that is next our on Our plan the right list. now is
0: where I think we're going to cover that in December. Yeah. Um, well, the reason I asked yeah. is there
2: is a certain short curly-haired woman with a cat who appears in To Sleep in a Sea of Stars Wonderful.
0: that might answer a few of your questions or raise a few couple of more.
1: OK, great. Well, I look I look forward to that. Thank you. <laughs> uh,
0: Christopher, this has been a genuine, genuine pleasure. So, um, mm-hmm. You had an outsized influence in both of our young cool. lives. Yep. Uh, and again, now with Murtag, uh, it's such a thrill to, to have another book, uh, from an author that you love. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just
2: say, I mean, I, I, poured my heart and soul into this book. It was, it was a tough book to write, but very rewarding mm-hmm. and getting to return to Alagazia and Murtag and Thorne was just, it meant so much to me that I can't wait to spend some more time in that world. And, uh, I hope that readers absolutely love it and- mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the future, and uh, who knows? Maybe there'll be a... Who knows how many more books we'll have by the 30th anniversary of this <laughs> series?
1: Hopefully a couple more.
2: Hopefully a couple I w- more. I
1: would not be opposed to that.
0: I'm sure your editor would love for more than a couple more, but... Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, you know, we'll That's have a Disney dream. Plus series, and who knows where a sea of stars will end up uh, being live action, so... Yep. There's a lot of exciting things coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is going to be the moment where we go, we're we going to let Christopher Paolini plug himself in a second. But before we do that, we just have to mention that if you're watching this close to when it comes out, there's still a chance for you to come watch Roleplay Relay 2. That's right. Our TTRPG show is going to be November 25th from noon to 9 Eastern here mm-hmm. on youtube.com slash nerdy nightly or on twitch.tv slash nerdynightly. Uh, This is a charitable cause. We are raising money for Cap for Kids. It is a charity that financially supports families whose uh, children are suffering from pediatric cancer. Uh, And we are so excited to be joined by our lovely cast. You can find them all on our website. Uh, We have 16 people joining us to help kill Santa Claus (laughs) to raise money for kids with cancer. It's going to be a wonderful day of fun. It's going to be a really fun game. Mm -hmm. We have incredible people involved. And the cause is so worthwhile. We're so excited to spend our holidays bringing uh, a little bit of financial help to families who absolutely deserve it and um, who, who are suffering through the, the worst thing I can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. So if you're True. free on November 25th, come hang out. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. But that's all the plug we're going to do for ourselves. Chris, uh, plug whatever you would like to. <laughs> Say anything in the world.
2: Well, I mean, my new book, Uh, is Murtag. Uh, Mm -hmm. I also had a sci-fi novel (laughs) come out in May. It's Fractal Noise, uh, if you like existential sci-fi. I'm currently on book tour for Murtag, although I'll sign any of my books that you bring. Uh, If you would like to attend one of my remaining events, you can find all the information on my website, paolini.net. And also, I have updates there for all of my projects. If you're interested in the sci-fi side of things, you can go to fractalverse.net. And, of course, I'm on uh, all of the social media platforms, all the usual suspects. Um, you just search for Paolini and I pop right up. So I hope to see you there in person or on social media. And, as always, a huge thank you to everyone who reads the books. This wouldn't be possible without you. I
0: hope you enjoy Mertag. Thank you so much for the interview. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining uh, us. Like and subscribe, do all those things. And, as always, do something nerdy tonight.
1: Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>